This podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of the lands and waterways where this episode is being recorded. Further, we acknowledge the cultural diversity of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and pay respect to their elders, past, present and future. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Women Behind the Media, the podcast, where we will discuss with successful women in the media industry about their careers, their experiences and get any helpful tips for us women who are just starting out. As students on the way to graduating, we are moments away from being introduced into the media industry, which in itself can be a challenge. But as young women, there are prejudices towards us and what we are capable of based purely on our gender. We want the chance to learn from those who might have already experienced this and learn where to go next. This podcast is a welcoming space to learn and grow and be excited about the media industry and all that it has to offer. Throughout these podcast episodes, we'll be speaking with many successful women that make up the many parts of this fast-growing industry. Hosting these episodes will be myself, Michaela Wilkie, me, Betty Verstage, and Claire Shadlow, three USQ students with a passion for all things radio, podcast, and media. We are very excited to share this journey with you all, as we too will be learning along the way. on the first episode of Women Behind the Media is ABC's evening radio presenter, Kelly Higgins-Divine. With over 22 years of experience in the industry, she is the perfect guest and perfect role model. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank, thank you very much. so nice. Yeah, we <laughs> want to talk you up a little bit, don't <laughs> yeah, we? It's all, it's all true. Start telling, telling stories that <laughs> go right against all that. So what were the motivations for starting your career in the industry? All right. Um, well... It, it was it was by accident. I would love to tell you that I had some great career plan like you guys do, um, but I didn't. I was doing theatre and a really good friend of mine who was in with me, this was just amateur theatre in Bendigo, don't get excited. Uh, she was doing a radio course. She was determined to get into radio and did. And Liz said to me, oh, you, sh- you should be in radio. You'd love radio. And I thought, oh, yeah. So there was a commercial radio course she was doing in Melbourne and I put in one year didn't get in the first year, but the second year I did. And I had a bit of a kick along. We were doing theatre nights where, you know, fundraisers. My character at these fundraisers, we, they were like uh, dinner restaurants, that theatre restaurant kind of thing. And my character was Ms Dorbich and my role was to basically give people a hard time as they came in to, um, to the restaurant, uh, which was fun. It was saying they expected it, so, you know, doubly fun. And one of the guys from the local radio station, um, his name was Seamus Hoare, and Seamus was from um, 3BO, uh, worked for the ABC as well later on down the track, so that was fun. And um, after it, he also said to me, you, you should go into radio. So I kind of had two people who'd said it to me, and I thought, okay, well, you know, let's, let's give it a crack. The second year I got into the commercial radio training course um, at Swinburne in Melbourne, and before I'd finished the course, I had a job in Charleville doing mm. their afternoon show. So always take the first gig you're offered. I can see you being in theatre, though. I can see where that theatre came had a from, lot of though. That's similar to the sort of trend that's going around lately of Karen's Diner. I don't know if you've heard of oh, that's going yes. around. That's a mm. little bit of you, there's, I reckon. That one. looks like fun. We want to go to that. There are a few of us at, uh, at work who are like, yeah. Yeah, because there's one just open up in Chermside. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I need to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
hundred percent. We need go. to go. <laughs> yes. I was like, surely I get a job there. Surely I just get a job there. Well, that's that's interesting. The, the I didn't know. I mean, obviously, theatre background from makes sense when we talked to you. Obviously, that yeah. makes sense. But also in the years that you've been in the industry, I've seen that you've worked as a journalist, a senior sub editor, and a news reader. Mm. We've been doing our research. Yes, well job. done. <laughs> um, and you've always obviously come back to radio presenting. How was it going into those type of roles to radio presenting? Is it did it help? Did it differ? Um, actually, it gave me a really good base from which to go to the ABC because I don't actually have a journalism degree. And the way I got into journalism was very roundabout. So I took the job in Charleville as the afternoons presenter. And a good mate of mine who I'd been working with at Swinburne or who was, you know, with me studying at Swinburne got a job as the, like, the Black Thunder driver in in Cairns. And he rang me because he knew that I, you know, wanted to do radio journalism. I had that, I kind of just had that mindset of, oh, I don't have a degree. It didn't bother me at all. Will it bother anyone else? And it didn't, as it turned out. So he told me there's a job going here you should put in. So I sent away an application. I was a little bit late. I was about a day late. It was a very, um, I sucked up a lot in this resume to the guy who was in charge. And uh, he was a bloke. I would have considered old at the time, but now I would consider just a peer. Uh, so he was in his, you know, late 40s and um, he was, Michael Thomas was his name and he was a great teacher, but he rang me and said, look, mate, because it was far north Queensland and it's your mate, mate, I love your resume, I love it, um, but I've already chosen someone. So, but these things turn around really fast. So if, uh, if you want, I'll just keep you on file and next time we'll have a talk. And I thought, oh, okay, I've lost nothing, went fine. Anyhow, two days later, he gives me a call and says, you uh, you still want that job? I said, what happened to the other person? And he said, well, I gave her the job two days ago and she hasn't called me and accepted. So newsrooms run on fast decisions. Do you want it? I went, oh, hell yeah, I want it. And that was it. So I basically got it because somebody else took their sweet time. Oh, what a rookie mistake. Exactly. There was this hidden talent right behind her. Yeah. Well, this is it, and this is why you, you know, you you go in if you if you don't really want a job, you know, I don't do it. But you know, take that first job and then get to the second job and get to the third job, and that's pretty much how radio and media work. You just, unless you're incredibly lucky and start in a cap city, which is very rare, you just keep moving up the ladder. And I did. I was lucky. I did exactly that. And he was a great teacher. You know how some people, because I said to him, I don't have a degree. And he said, mate, I'll teach you everything you need to know in six months. And he did. He did. I was accepted by the ABC because I went to work at other commercial radio stations in Brisbane after that. And no one ever questioned the fact that I didn't have a degree. Didn't even ask me about it. Yeah. Talking on a, your career at the ABC, you and for the past five years you've been doing your evening show mm. from Monday to Thursday. Can you tell us a bit about what you what's what's the show like for you? Oh, each show has its own flavour, and I like to think of shows as meals. So I would think when I was on afternoons, for example, I always thought of afternoons as a cup of tea and a biggie. You know, it was that show where people were, it was the middle of their day, they were interested in a bit of news, but they didn't really want to go hard. It was companion, it was very much companionship radio. They used to call it women's back in the day. 
How's that? And mm. is that because like women's used women to were do listening? The yeah, right. so they, they weren't at work; they were at home. Right. That's not patronising at all, right. and that's what we and, want to talk about. And that yeah. was, and that was where I mean, that was a was that a bit before my time? They were probably just starting to get rid of it when I came in in the nineties. But until then, the early days, that was where you'd find your female announcers would be in that middle part of the day. You certainly wouldn't find them on a you know, a drive show, for example, where the hard-hitting news was or the morning. So it was women's and that's the magazine-style show. Luckily, I don't care because I love that that style of show. I love news as well. Uh, so I did that. I did drive for a few years as well. And I drive, I always saw as you more your meat and potatoes kind of a, of a shift because it was one of those things that with drive you would – Pick the eye out of the news, but it was very fast moving. With with mornings, you can settle in a bit more and have a bit more time. Drivers like seven minutes move on, seven minutes move on. And if you like fast and you like cutthroat and you like talking to politicians and, you know, finding out the, the core of what's happening politically in your city, then drive is the shift for you. Evenings is more like that lie down, you're, you're a companion with people because my audience at night, they're in this, you know, mostly, they're not all 60 plus, but a lot of them are. And that that's okay because they don't get a lot of love really much anymore. So, you know, they like hearing the older music. I do, you know, Songs You Love and Dedications, which is the oldest format in radio. So they ring in and ask for songs and it's, it's interesting to see what they pick. For example, what they miss hearing in their own lives. It's and many of them will be tech savvy enough to, you know, get onto Spotify, but a lot of them aren't. So they miss that connection with songs and music that they had when they were younger. And they just want to chat or they want to hear people having a good time and, you know, maybe learning something, but mostly just knowing what's going on in Queensland. So I I shape evenings as a show that was total companionship where they didn't have to think too hard I hopefully if we discuss something serious it's still done with a bit of a light touch to it it makes them feel comfortable and safe in a world that's constantly telling them they're not comfortable and they're not safe like home yeah yeah that's it Without going too hug. retro on yeah. them. Yeah. A cozy little hug and a box of Tim Tams. Yeah, that's what I get from exactly. It. And, and that's what you want when you're listening late at night. And maybe it's, you know, a lot of the blokes that listen, for example, when they ring in, they'll be talking about, you know, the, oh, my wife died a few years ago, it's just me now. And, you know, these are people who, not all of them are lonely, but some of them are. And and I, I like being that, that voice, that friend that they have, that they can just turn on the radio and I'll be there. And just and that's my audience. I, I think what you've got to do is work out who's your audience, who are you playing to, who are you talking to, and sort of get that. I know that um, you would have heard about the one person that you're talking to. That is the best advice you'll ever get. So for me, I talk to my mum, and I know that my mum listens most of the time, but she's my person I talk to because she is right dead centre in the middle of our demographic and she will, she will be um, the person that after I've had a show, she'll tell me what I, you know, what I did well and possibly what but I should work on. Your mum's always your biggest critic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And, fan. and your biggest fan, yeah. <laughs> both at the same time. Yeah. So obviously, we've been talking about you know what it's been like overcoming all the challenges of being a woman in the, in yep. the industry. What's the biggest challenge that you've had to face as a woman? I look. Before I got to the ABC, so this is pre-ABC because the ABC doesn't doesn't have a problem with women on air. But when I was at uh, another 
commercial talk station. That will not be named. In Brisbane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was in the newsroom and my boss at the time, not my boss in the newsroom, but my station boss, for example, I was going for an upgrade and he was pretty adamant that I wasn't going to get one as a journalist. And I was on garbage money. I'm talking garbage money after two years. And it kind of came down to that I was on nights and I didn't have the authoritative voice of, you know, the blokes and I needed to work on all these really little, little things that I knew were just, you know, him hammering me because, you know, I was a female. In the end, I quit because you don't stay where you're not valued. But it, it was it was very much, you know, and you only had to look at the lineup and still look at lineups in many respects to find that the woman is the one on the afternoons. You might get one in breakfast if, if they're doing a team situation. Otherwise, in these male-dominated talk stations, there's going to be one woman talking and she'll be on in the afternoon, maybe nights. You might hear one at nights. But otherwise, it's not serious unless a bloke's having a chat with you. And the idea too is that uh, women didn't like hearing women on radio. Women got told that and some women believed it. You know, and it was like, well, when was the last time you heard a woman on radio, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you know, talking about serious issues? Caroline Jones, for example, who's just passed away, who was the first female host of Four Corners, I interviewed her a few years ago and we were talking about the headline, I think, when she took over was something like, you know, a girl will be hosting. And this was a woman, like, you know, she wasn't 17, she was well and truly established in her career. A girl will be hosting Four Corners. So that's the sort of thing you were up against at that time. But there are still stations that would hesitate to put a woman on their morning shift, on their drive shift, because they would fear that they would not be taken seriously, that they could not broadcast to that audience. When I was doing drive... I won my ratings against the, my male opponent on that other talk station every time, every ratings period, and still they wouldn't, and still they would not, you know, see that as being, you know, uh, maybe you should check out a woman in that shift, fellas, you know. But I, I don't know why it still continues. It's not at the ABC. I can tell you that because we got a woman in breakfast, a woman on mornings, a woman in afternoons, and a, a woman on evenings. So. It's starting to get better. Like uh, you, you guys are, are lucky in that you're going into an industry that is vastly better than it ever has been. But those, even with music, for example, at one stage there, you would never have two songs by females in a row. Just was unheard of. It wouldn't be done. It's like, oh no, that's you know, too much estrogen for for one show. <laughs> and now you wouldn't you wouldn't blink twice at that. And the, the biggest money earners are women in yeah. in the music industry. Well, look how many women now are CEOs of major yeah. companies and, mm. you know, changed to dramatically. And you were talking before that when the ratings came around that you yes. obviously was uh, higher than your male colleagues. Yep. The thing that's funny is that a lot of these um, people will talk the talk, but then when they do the walking yeah. and they come back <laughs> and you're like, oh, Maybe maybe I got to second guess this. Maybe I could learn something from other mm. colleagues, other female colleagues, yep. that they might have a take on a story that you didn't even consider to go down. Mm-hmm. And it's all about different perspectives. And that's 
that's not even with just women in general. Like it's just everyone yeah. in general. They have their own take on a story, their own perspectives, their own opinions that everyone should hear, everyone mm. should work with. Well, this is it. Women are half the population. In fact, just over. To not be represented in some form on one of the greatest devices for communication the world has ever seen is is shabby. It's a shabby way of treating the female population. And you know what? The male population as well. I've got a heap of blokes who listen at nights and they're not at all concerned that I'm female. They just... I think people are past it and I'm, I'm hoping they really are past, the vast majority of them, that sort of focus on gender and that it's to... Are you entertaining? Are you a clear communicator? Do you know, do you give me information that I wouldn't otherwise get? Are you bright and happy? Can you have a serious conversation as well? Like they want people who are multidimensional and who make them feel good. You know, there's that quote about people don't remember what you, you know, what you said. They remember how you made them feel. And that is never so true as in radio because it's such an intimate form of communication. And that's why podcasts have gone off as well Mm. because people, you know, they put their headphones on or their (laughs) earphones in and they're there. They're in that enclosed space that we create in our own imaginations. And that voice doesn't have to be male or female. It it just has to be interesting. Yeah. I guess it's all about how how the person will perceive you as, Mm. you know, as that presenter, as that person. Yeah. Some people think of, like, radio presenters as, like, their best friends. You know, exactly. they're, like, the only people that will listen to you. And if that you can be that someone, then I feel like you're winning. Yeah, and I even have, speaking about podcasts, like, I listen to many mm. throughout the day, depending on how I'm feeling. And I will have, yes, some more female-skewed um, podcasts, but then I've also got some gentlemen that just have a completely different topic that I'm also interested in. And it's something that... I feel like, like you said, you put your headphones in and it's like they're having a conversation with you. They're understanding mm. your thoughts, your opinions and your interests. It doesn't matter what gender you are, as long as you're entertaining me and I'm captivated by what you're speaking mm. through the mic with, I don't I don't see a, a problem with what yeah. gender you are or what even um, orientation you go by. Yeah, oh, exactly. And I think that's... That's where we're, we're there. I truly think we're there. It'll be interesting to see what your experience of your workplaces is once you get out there and you've got a decade under your belt, whether you still felt that there was there was that sort of discrimination happening because you were you, you know you identified as female or was there discrimination in some other way? Was it age? Was it where you came from? Like and discrimination will come up. It, it just will because human beings are human beings. But where does it come from? I think that's going to be interesting. But I hope that, you know, the, the glorious women in radio who've gone before made it a bit easier because <laughs> that's what we're all trying to do. Well, yeah. I think we've learnt – this is mainly what this project and podcast is all about is learning from the people that came before us and mm. who are still, like yourself, very successful in what they do, what we can learn, what we can take on, what we can adapt from what you guys do and make it our own and for the people that are after us in years, decades' time, what yep. they can then adapt from what we've done. And it's just a whole cycle. Yeah. yeah. A great cycle. The circle of life, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, do, do you still feel discrimination? Do, do you still feel that, you know, sort of the, the barb of being a female? That I mean, I was discriminated against recently yeah. at, in my workplace because I work in 
customer service, but I was racially discriminated wow. against, and that's the first time I've ever been racially discriminated against. That's horrible. And I, I bet was, people yeah. are horrified when you say, like, what? They did what? Yeah, because they, like, were telling me that I looked a certain way and that I shouldn't be working in this industry, that I'm too stupid, and I was like, well... Tell me no. that was a customer and not a colleague. Yeah, no, it was a customer. Oh, okay. So it was, it was a just customer. some rude. Okay. I, I thought it might have been the business you were working no, for. No, no, I was no, like, no. oh, no, we, we, no. we will sort But this, I mean, but, yeah. the other place I worked at oh, was, some people I was be... also discriminated against because I got told the women do the cooking and the cleaning. But I was like, that's rich coming from the person who does the cooking. So. What? Yeah. It's. <laughs> In different aspects, we still feel it, I think. I I think for me is, especially going into this industry as a student, Mm. like I know myself, I have seen less females in my classes. It has been more generally males that have come through. But it's, like I said, it's everyone working together. Like Mm. I'll work with a bloke, don't mind me. I'll do whatever I have to do to amp myself up into this industry but it did it is something that I did notice that it was quite surprising the gender ratio mm. of the media industry especially like now as we're in you know last the final year years, yeah, yeah it's starting to look like there's more males coming in but I mean mm. our little trio that we have I know we're gonna definitely <laughs> be a, bi- a powerhouse I reckon yeah. not to toot our own uh, horns but I'm going to anyway but this is it you should because Blokes do, and I don't mean that as a criticism. I watched, you know, especially last year, some of you come in in that first year, and blokes will bluster. You know what I mean? They're co- And even if they've got no confidence, really, there are a lot of them who will just fake it till they make it, or they're just so confident of themselves. And it's rare that you find a woman who will come in initially with that same level of bluster of oh well here we go and here's my force of personality strong heads but yeah Yeah. but but that force of personality that women have we don't let show for a while it sometimes takes us a while to get comfortable and then bang we're on it's all there but blokes will just here I am and they don't care because there are rarely repercussions Mm. there's really that you know that smackdown you get of you might want to pull it back, love. And then when they or, get the knockdown, they go, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Women do. Often men just go, nah. I think we also have a lot of more, we're more organised. In a, Not trying to sound mm. too feministy here, but we, like you said, we do a lot of the pre-planning before we go all gung-ho into yeah. it. I think the great thing about our uni as well is because we are a larger establishment that we've got so many people that have like a diff they can make a different spin on things like I know mm. one of our hosts here today Claire she's from Toowoomba in the Warwick area so she gets that sort of like country influence yep. which can take an interesting sort of thing like I'm not from around there I'm from Brisbane and same as Betty but I think we can all share our little insights and like I said we're a little powerhouse trio and I this is it well there are thousands of people around Australia who live in rural areas I mean, we, we can cling to the coasts as well, but and, and that's what I love about nights. I get to talk to those people. My The night I – not that I hate doing – the night that loses its sparkle for me is Thursday nights during footy season because I lose my regionals. They all go to the footy. And it just takes out – I know it, t- it takes something away, not that my Brisbane audience aren't brilliant, but you know what? It's just different and it's mm. it's just not as, uh, not as sparkly. 
the diamond's not polished as much. <laughs> That's all there is to it. So around your evening shifts, yeah. you do also have on your other stations a lot of the sports. Like you've got yep. certain stations that are mainly male sport mm-hmm. dominated. The listenership that you get versus them, do you reckon it's different that obviously you're more – they've you've got more of female – audience than they would do you reckon um my female audience is only i'm nearly 50 50 wow so which is pretty good because actually uh, female female listenership on the abc is just a little bit less than the male listenership on the abc so i i love that but and we work very hard my producer maria and i work really hard to get at least a 50 50 split of guests over a week so that we are we are constantly making sure we have female voices where we can have female voices because it's easy not to mm. because and, and some some people have to be talked into it some don't anymore but and the other thing I've I've been doing for about a decade now is making sure that I use women's titles because if they're a professor let people know they're a professor or a doctor and you might use their first name during the interview but when you reset when you first introduce them at the end of the interview Tell them that this person is a professional because a lot of women will say, oh, no, you don't have to bother with that. And there is an element where a lot of them are just like, oh, you know, they think it's just a bit of, you know, it's a bit titleist. But in a world where what you know, where information is valuable and more and more valuable, being an expert makes you valuable and you've paid a lot for your degree. So put it out there. And be proud that you're a female. And a, a lot more of them are just are starting to do that, which is great. And starting to talk to media rather than going, oh, no, 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 you should talk too. Because when I first started 23 years ago, women would defer to men as well because they didn't have the confidence, but they do now. So yeah. that, that's a big change too. I noticed, with, especially in like the NRL footy show, for instance, yeah. that there's a lot more female commentators and presenters now, mm. which is really, like, good to see because it's not just, you know, like Maddie John's talking for the yeah. whole 60 minutes worth of the show. <laughs> but, you know. Not just three blokes. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel, and it's, and women are starting to be recognised as, you know, sportsmen and all mm. that sort of stuff, which is. Look, it's like, brilliant. And I think, do you remember a campaign, I don't know if it was kind of before your, not before your time, but sort of before you would have noticed, a campaign that they had on, I think, one of the football stations. And the campaign was, uh, you've got to be from the Hall of Fame if you're going to call the game. So basically it cut out any female voice. So it might have been AFL even. And it was just like, wow, well, Bruce McAvaney's calling the game. Don't remember Bruce being from the Hall of Fame. Thank you very much. But it was okay because Bruce is a boy. So that's fine. But I notice now, as you said, that's changed. And as long as... Oh, who was it? Her name was Kate. She was an actress. I can't remember her surname. But years ago, it would have been in the late 70s to early 80s, they had the first female commentating on cricket. She was a cricket fan but didn't know the intricacies of the game. And she got totally hammered. Like the males at that time, the the people watching, oh, my God, they gave her a hard time. She ended up after one year not doing it anymore. But she was, I mean, in retrospect, you look back and it was really 
they put her in to appease a certain group of people but made sure she'd fail, if you know what I mean. And she was lovely. You know, there's nothing wrong with her, nothing wrong with the way she was commentating. But now I think there's a, a vastly more accepting, uh, you know, I don't know if they get, you know, emails. Probably they do because there's always a percentage of society who are just idiots. But <laughs> I think mostly, like, when you when you look on the commentary, you know, on um, websites, there might be blokes going, oh, she doesn't know anything. But then there's a whole lot of blokes going, she's actually brilliant. I really love her commentary. And, and defending, saying, because she's a she, is actually beside the point. Does she know the game? Yes, she does. And a lot of the girls and women, sorry, who've been playing the game are now starting to commentate as well. Well, they've been out on the field. They know what it is. They they they've, can see tactic. They've copped the same injuries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's game-changing for women to hear and see women commentating on sport and not just sports, traditionally men's sports, but actually, you know, those sports that women play, let's give them some more airtime as well. Let's make we the ABC, for example, uh, broadcast some of the women's cricket games. You know, that would have been unheard of 10 years ago for us to do that, but we do it now as we should because unless you start doing it, people don't get used to it. Once they're used to it, they want it and they expect it. Exactly. I think what you were saying as well with that, the cricket commentator, I think the what would happen with her is with these comments that they were saying, mm. uh, they were hammering her down saying yep. that she wasn't oh, that she's great. she's awful. She doesn't know the game. Yeah, just so what lovely, you doing there? colourful language. Yeah. And then there's these <laughs> these other gentlemen that are sticking up for her. Their comments are getting overshadowed by all this hate mm. speech, basically, in a way. And she may not have received that the feedback and yep. you you don't know she could have if she'd have seen that she could have continued on that year and it's because she's been overshadowed by all this negativity yeah well the, the woman I'm, I'm thinking of initially who did the cricket commentary that was like the 70s 80s so there was no oh. other than letters to the editor and letters to the actual station there there wasn't much of an outlet for personal opinion right. but now there is so we can all see it so I, I was more meaning there that same sort of the people who want to go down that same road of just giving somebody a hard time because they're female, there's a whole group of blokes now who just go, no, 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 that's not the point. Like if you don't if you don't like her because she's not saying something particularly, fair enough. If you just don't like her because she's female, then that's not it. I like listening to her because she knows what she's talking about and that's all they want really now. Mm. Because if we always go back to because they've all got daughters, it should never be a thing, but sometimes I think it is and I think a lot of blokes are now watching, have watched their daughters struggle in a world that rewards men's efforts. Like when Mackenzie, my daughter, for example, was playing golf, it's become better even now than when she started, and that wasn't that long ago. You know, the boys' prizes at these comps would be much better than the girls' prizes. Mm. And it was frustrating for these fathers who only had daughters to look on and see what the boys got. And I <laughs> turned to my husband, Craig, at one stage and said, Welcome to our world. Yeah. This is what it's like for women and has been like for women forever. It's like the AFL with mm. the women's getting paid less than the men's, but they're at the same <laughs> level, skill level, all that sort of stuff. And it's like, why? Yeah. Well, uh, they're trying to build a comp. Like, yeah. I get why. But yeah. that will get better too. And they will get better. Yeah. And, you know, people go to those games. You know, they feel, they, you know, they'll, they'll fill a you know, one of those regional stadiums with no trouble whatsoever, those mm. women. And it's just a case of the AFL and the NRL who are trying to build their comp, just keep putting in the money, keep putting in the time, and it will happen because yeah. they, 
you know, some of those women are just insanely I good know athletes. Some of because I'm a massive fan of the A League, the soccer, yeah. and I know that the women's A League teams now have enough funding that they've got 15 teams in the competition, wow, and they brilliant. only had 10. Hmm. So to me, I'm like, that's amazing. That's insane. Yep. yep, as it should be. And it's just a case of people changing their mindset and saying, all right, we're going to do this. Because women make up half the audience going to an AFL game. Like, It's not as if it's just blokes going to the footy of any code probably. Women are there. We're watching. And our daughters want to play. Or our sisters or whoever they might be, our friends. Yeah. And they're brilliant athletes. More women have won Australia gold medals at the Olympics by mile than men. So it's well, look at Ariane Titmus. She just became the fastest woman in Australia. Yep, they're gonna they're gonna slay it, our, our oh. swimmers. But you know these these are things that get sort of you know shuffled shuffled away while we you know worship you know at the at the altar of male achievement. And it's not that male achievement isn't worthy as well because of course it is. They're they're utterly brilliant too. But for too long, it's been they're the only ones, mm. and I think that's what we're we're up against. And a lot of not a lot of blokes. That's really unfair. But there are some blokes who will still push against that because they can see that well, there's got to be a bit of timeshare here, doesn't there? Some people don't like that too. And once they get used to that, then we find well, we're fighting at the same time racial vilification, all those sort of things, which are totally unacceptable now too. My, one of my theories is that um, swearing is no longer a big deal. Because in language, the things that have become big no-nos, words that are racially, you know, racially horrid, that are to do with people's sexual orientation, they're the words that we don't use anymore. So swearing becomes neither here nor there. Not that we're doing it in this podcast because no, we're we, all ladies. We're very professional. <laughs> we're very, very, professional. very professional. Now, when you were saying about how there's more, both of you are saying that there's more commentators that are mm. female in all mm. sports and whether it be AFL, yep. rugby league, cricket even, I think that's such a great thing now because when I used to watch the footy show with my dad on a Sunday and I used to watch the Matty John show and it would be a mm. all-male lineup. But I think that having female commentators and journalists especially as well, it's for the younger audiences that – they may not play footy. Some females may not want to play footy, but they still love talking about it. Yeah. And it's seeing someone on screen or on air or behind a mic or behind a camera even being like, I'm going to be like that one day. I'm going to be a commentator and I'll be there with the blokes and I'll be there with the ladies and I will do the exact same thing. And it's yep. just all these little girls wanting to chase their dreams and like us, we're mm. we're women that are now young women that are wanting to chase our dreams and we're looking up to people like you that have paved the way for us. Oh, thank you. Well, as I said before, I hope I hope we made it easier for you to do exactly that because I love radio to death. It never occurred to me that this would be something I would do for I've actually been in radio since what, nineteen ninety two, so what's that in the thirty years? It's the best way to spend your life, honestly, talking to interesting people, going where you want, you know. You can always pick up and move somewhere else in radio if you really want to or stay exactly where you are. I mean, they say, you know, you you, you work for a very long time, may as well do something that you love, right? Exactly, exactly. And it, it's it's just such a wonderful career. So, yay. And do as long it, as you've got it. a mic, as long as you've got a mic and somewhere to record, you can do it anywhere. Exactly. You know, Being on you a park can... bench. <laughs> <Bust up. laughs> if, you, if you really want to yeah. yeah I mean go for it yeah 
Now, speaking of your career, you've had some very big achievements too. When mm-hmm. I did my research, oh wow, <laughs> we dug deep. We okay. dug deep. We dug what deep. did you find? Well, I was interested in seeing that you received the best use of media at the 2011 ABC Local Radio Awards, and that was for your coverage of the cyclone. Yesi, was that an overnight broadcast? Was it? It was. When Yassi started coming through, uh, you remember 2011, we had just had the floods and my boss at the time, Simon, took me aside and uh, said, have a look at this because he was a bit of a weather nut and he showed me this weather website and he said, that's what they're predicting in seven days' time and it was a, it was basically what happened. It was Yassi heading towards mm-hmm. this huge Category 5 massive thing headed towards Cairns. And I just said, no, (laughs) it's not happening. And he went, yep, it's on three websites. And I went, oh, my God. Oh, that's going to – that's awful. That's going to cause massive damage. And so the discussion started happening at the ABC immediately about how we were going to approach the broadcast. The issue we had, because we stayed local until about – I think it was about 9 o'clock – And then everyone had to get indoors and they had to hunker down and start to be safe. And we weren't sure whether or not the ability to broadcast would remain in those areas just because of how intense and how massive Yassi was. So the decision was made to broadcast from Brisbane so that we could keep something on air while that was happening and and so that the staff in those areas would be safe. My content director at the time, uh, Kelly Reardon, came in and said, we want you to broadcast overnight during Yassi. And I was surprised um, but flattered and immediately sort of, oh, my gosh, this is a huge responsibility. But we decided as a team that our job was to keep people informed and to make sure that they kept themselves safe and that we did not make anything worse for them, that by tone and by what we said, that nobody was panicked by what was going on around them because we honestly didn't know how bad it was going to be. And only one person lost their life that night, which I just find is a miracle. I'd cry. One person, and that was one person who had put on a generator, and so it was carbon monoxide. Unfortunately, that took their life. It wasn't Yassi. And I remember... A couple of calls which were brilliant that night and it was a bloke who the front of the cyclone had gone through and so you had the eye and it was all still and he rang during that because they still, a lot of them still had phones which was amazing and I said, so what's, you know, what's happening? And he said, oh, we're in the eye. I said, I said to him, can you see the stars? And he went, oh, go and have a look. I said, only if it's safe. He went, no, 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 it's fine. He went outside, he went, yeah. In the middle of all that chaos of this raging storm the eye he'd gone out there and there was the there were the stars and I said well there you go it's not going to last forever is it and that was kind of one of those moments of you know you could only do it then Mm. and there was another girl who rang in probably about four in the morning and she said can I go out now and I said to her she was in Townsville the poor love it had been a big night for people they could hear people could hear furniture moving around in the top of the bottom of their houses you know depending where they were they could hear you know sheets of metal flying around outside in their homes they could hear banging and crashing of things they didn't know what was going on and 
you know, we were telling them just ignore what you're hearing outside mm. and stay safe. And so when this poor girl rang and said, can I go outside? I had to say to her, look, I can't tell you what to do because you're in Townsville and I'm here. So, but it's still Category 4 and no one's going to be out there until midday. So if something happens to you, you're on your own. So why don't you just go to sleep? Just, it's been a big night. Just go to sleep and at midday you'll get up, you'll have a bit of a sleep and you can go out and face whatever it is out there after that. And she was like, okay. <laughs> I think she just needed someone to go, what do I do now? You know, cause this has been so crazy. It was an honour to get those people through that night and it's what the ABC, that's why I love working at the ABC because we are the people that people turn to in emergencies and when their lives are have been turned upside down we're the people that they come to and we want to be those people that night that's why I got best use of the medium because people had their radio you couldn't watch anything on telly and radio was all there was and so we hopefully kept them safe at a time when they were not safe and I was honoured absolutely honoured and it was actually named that reward it's the Paul Boddington Award after a really good friend of mine who's no longer with us unfortunately but it's named after him and he was a brilliant field reporter he could turn any story into gold so I was chuffed now that's intense in itself. that is very intense <laughs> could you can you think of anything else that you would count as a great moment for you in the industry besides that tremendous night or that, um, like top, that top it off Oh, oh no! That Yassi was probably the the biggest night of of my broadcasting career. Sometimes it's just the little things. Sometimes it's just those little connections that you make with people, and you have a sensational like the other night, for example, when I was telling my audience that you know I'm off for a bit of you know grease and oil change, and I'll be gone for three months, having a bit of heart surgery. And this bloke rang in, the lovely Reese, and Reese said to me. You'll be fine, Kelly said. I've had three open heart surgeries and I'm on a hand to heart transplant list. And I went, oh, my God. I said, okay, are you right to Jeez. talk about it? And he went, yeah, sure. And so we talked about the fact that he was born with a congenital heart disease. Mm. So he's had these surgeries. He's waiting for a heart, but he's a lucky one because he can wait a while. And, and so this amazing conversation about someone you could pass in the street and not know anything about them happened and I love those conversations and that if if you love radio that is what you'll love sometimes it's not the big stuff it's the little stuff it's that connection with your audience or that person who rings in you know once a week and has a good story for you or who's good talent or that's what you're after is that connection with community and that's that's what I seek on nights is you know those great little conversations famous people are good too though don't get me wrong yeah look Famous people are. are always something different, right? Yeah, I've met quite a few of the Harry Potter cast, none of the big names, but, you know, the Weasley twins. Wow. Met them. Yeah, that's a bit of a brag. Name drop that one. Yeah, name drop that. Uh, Jane Fonda. I met Alan Alder. Oh. I've met and interviewed. He was lovely. He was so nice. You know, there is there are big names. Um, Talk about a powerful woman, Jane Fonda. Oh, yeah. She was wonderful. She had a book out. This was, oh, this was a long time ago. This would be 20 years ago, I think. But I asked her about, she was known as Hanoi Jane because she was seen to have betrayed the American troops during the Vietnam War, which she admits she did. I said, will you ever stop apologising for that? And she said, nope, whenever they want me to apologise, I will apologise for it. And I thought, good for you. But what an amazing woman. And now I watch Grace and Frankie, which I love absolutely love. Uh, great show. But, you know, she's a survivor. She's a woman that was around in the 60s. Have you ever watched Barbarella? Yes. What a movie! It's so yes. sexist. Would not be made today <laughs> under any circumstances. 
But, you know, back then, it was it was something else, Barbarella. I remember watching it one night, late at night, that's how I got to watch it, and just going, what in the name of all is this? So there she was. I remember seeing the picture of it, and then I was talking to mum about it, I was like, is that Jane Fodner? Mm. I was like, my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, and still a, you know, beautiful woman. Absolute. Mega talent. Mega. Just something. Mega. Yeah. Well, speaking of mega talent, just like yourself. <laughs> I wish I was Jane, up here. Jane Fonda talent. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be nice. You're one of the women that we look up to as a mentor in this industry. Oh, thank you. And somewhere, like I said, you're paving the way for us, which you have done for many people. Who was that for you in your industry when you started out or Ooh. who has continued to be that for you? Okay. Probably a lot of my peers are the people that I look up to. When I was in the newsroom, I worked at, um, when I worked at the other commercial radio station, I worked with a woman called Louise Willis, who was one of the hardest workers that I ever met. Uh, she's brilliant. She's now at the Canberra Bureau. Madonna King, who's a, an award-winning Brisbane journalist, radio presenter, damn hard worker, fantastic book of contact. She's an author now as well. She used to do mornings when she had two littlies. I'm talking... Two really young babies. Like new, newborn Yeah, babies? like almost <laughs> newborn and like two or three. Like it was a Whoa. tough gig. And, you what know, she woman. was getting up at four in the morning you know, anyway and dealing with all that and did a ripper show, you know. She, she was often breaking stories. She was an incredible talent as well. You know, Laurel from 4KQ, 30 years. Like that's, that's in oh, doing breakfast. Oh, my giddy aunt. Who wants to do that? I, I did it for three weeks and nearly lost my mind, <laughs> let alone 30 years. But Laurel is one of the most generous, kind, you know, lovely people that you will ever meet. And so you you kind of look at the ones with longevity. Mm. And Robin Bailey, for example, uh, another woman who, you know, fought to have her name first. You know, it's Robin Terry and Kip or Robin, Terry and Bob back in the day, Robin was first because Robin is, with much love to everyone else, uh, she's the driver. She's gets them to number one or, you know, she's right up there in the top three that's all like the, the time. Carrie and Tommy show. Yeah. yeah. That's Carrie's it. first. That's it because the woman is the engine. When you get these teams, if there's a woman in them, she's the engine. If she's not strong, the whole thing falls apart. Makes sense. Well, you, you got to think, a lot of play, people, there's the, um, when the first name comes, it's the female's name. It's because, one, they fought for it, and mm. two, it's they deserve it. They, yeah. yeah. You're they, working hard. Working hard. <laughs> yeah. It's yep. just, I don't know. Mm. There's, there's something else with these women, hey? Yeah. But you, you sort of look at that. Lisa Wilkinson, for example, even though she's, you know, not in radio, she's someone who, you know, was editing Dolly when she was, you know, in her early 20s and has just gone on to have this magnificent career as well. You know, these are smart, connected, talented women who've stayed the path. Ida Buttrose, mm. you know, current head of the ABC. Another woman who, in a very sexist era, managed to stay the course and become a very powerful woman in publishing against, not against people like Kerry Packer because he obviously liked her, but held her own against people who were, you know, bombastic in nature. But the other person who who I really have held as a role model, and it sounds so twee, but is my own mother who, uh, you know, had me when she was not much more than a, you know, a late-age teenager herself, who went on to become a, a manager of a toe-dancering company 
when we were doing that back in the day, um, and who went on to really high positions in government as well, and withstood some absolute verbal hammerings from ministers who really who wouldn't be able to get away with it nowadays. You know, she would come home and tell me these stories, and she'd be laughing. You know, and she'd just be like, "Ah," oh, and then he said, and blah, on it would go. And she taught me, you just let it roll off you. Don't worry about it too much because they'll be gone eventually, and politically people come and go, and you'll still be there. So yeah, I think the the other downside though of of people of women, especially being in that power, is some of them tend to abuse the power that they've given been given to, and I think. Like, for us coming up now, it's been something that we've had to learn. Like, there's the fine line of, you know, using your power to what you can do, mm. but also not overstepping it and abusing that power too. Yeah. You know, because I do know... Do we expect the sisters to be a bit nicer? Do we? <laughs> <laughs> That's not always true because sometimes they've had something to prove. Yeah. And they're still working in that male environment. I think that's less and less now. Yeah. Hopefully it's less and less because... You know, collaboration is good. Not not wanting to just defeat people for the sake of it and belittle people for the sake of it is good. Not that all men do that either. A lot of the people who've supported me the most have been blokes. Spencer has been incredibly mm. supportive throughout the time we've known each other. That's mm. Ashley, mm. Dr. Ashley yeah. Jones. Ashley as well, yeah. yeah. And speaking of Spencer, one of the main sort of the idea of this show sort of stemmed from this thesis last year. It was one of the things that popped up in our heads that when he was, his thesis was centred around female Mm. um, radio announcers. Mm. And yeah, he was talking to us about it and we were like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And so we were like, you know, maybe we could use that and, you know, here we are. Go from there. Oh, yeah. And uh, look, I don't want to underplay either the fact that a lot of women in the industry get a lot of abuse still Mm. from people. And when I was talking with Spencer, I said it's for men, you know, the the abuse is nowhere near as violently framed as it is for women. For blokes, it'll be like, you know, you're this, that and the other. For women, it's like I'm going to come and rape you and I'm going to kill your kids. And that, that was the quote I gave Spencer because that's kind of what it gets to with people. They, they feel this need to absolutely threaten women with violence and their children with violence and you know, basically everyone they ever met in their entire life. And, and so that's still there. Yeah. And, and so you've got to somehow learn to deal with that, um, take, take seriously the threats that are serious. But there's a point at which I suppose you just ignore you know, don't don't let those ones who would bring you down, you know, do that to you. I've got a quote that I use. It's by a French philosopher, and it's the thing that people criticise you for most. Embrace that because that's truly you. And it it basically means that the thing that makes you unique is the thing that will annoy the crap out of everyone because they don't have their own uniqueness, and that's where it comes from. So that sustained me when I first started in radio because I got a lot of criticism for laughing too much and for mentioning the lines too much. And now they're the two things people love the most mm. because I refuse to not be me. I would live or die on being me. And that's what radio is about too. It's about finding who you are and people will pre- people always love what's real. Yeah. So, and that's why they connect. I think that leads me into, the, you know, the, the, what would be the five 
tips that oh. would give the young young what women like, like us. <laughs> I mean, if you've got five, it doesn't have to okay. be five, but you know. Oh, what would I tell you? Uh, well, a I would tell I would say um, you know the Valerie Geller never be boring. Mm. That's for radio. That's the first one. Uh, whatever you do, try to make it interesting. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Would be another big one. You know, you're gonna things are going to be unfair. Things aren't going to go your way. And just suck that up a bit mm. and move on. Move on to what's better. If you find that you're not that a place doesn't value you, leave. That's what I did where I was in my commercial job. They obviously weren't going to give me an upgrade. They obviously weren't career pathing me at all. So for me, it was like, well, why would I stay here? There's no point. And that's when my career exploded. Yeah, was when I made the decision to back myself. So I would say do that. I would say always keep learning and always keep listening and always keep being imaginative and creative about your shows especially. Never get comfortable. My producer and I are always talking and listening back and assessing how we've done. Is that segment working? Do we need to change it? What needs to be changed if we've decided that? And no matter what you do, that's still, I think, great advice. Don't ever, don't ever cruise in what you're doing and you know what just just be yourself because that's where you'll you'll find then where you belong because that that's where you'll get the love that's where you'll feel satisfied and the you know money will be money and money will come but you know I've never really been motivated by it much it's nice to have don't get me wrong Mm. but you know it, it all comes with, with, I think, with getting your skill set. And just, I suppose with radio, it's also about listening to your colleagues. What do you love about them? What do they do? But not necessarily replicating them, but how do I do, you know, what do I like about them that can be real for me? You know, is it an interview technique that you like in other people that you can somehow adapt for yourself? Is there a weakness in your own show that you think they could help you with? And I find people are mostly very generous with their time. I reckon there's some good tips. Very good, I'm very good tips. I'm going to write them down. Mentally, I'm like head. taking mm. notes. Thank you for coming on You're this welcome. episode. Thank you very much. Very, very much. We're very appreciative of everything that you've said. And I think a lot of what you said can resonate with us, especially right. and whoever, you know. Yeah. Whoever's out there Who in our position. Listening. Yeah. Um, but we also would like to give a shout out to Kelly's show as well. Oh, um, thank you. 7 till 10 p.m., that's yep. correct, on ABC Radio Brisbane, uh, Monday to Thursdays. And you can also find her on Twitter at Kelly HD. That's it. Thank Kelly you. Kelly HD. Thank you very much, <laughs> Kelly. We'd also like to give a special thanks to uh, the University of Southern Queensland for their contribution to the show. If you'd like to keep up with Women Behind the Media, the podcast, for our new episode releases or any updates, please go and follow our Facebook and Instagram at Women Behind the Media. Fortunately, we will be out of the studio over the uh, June, start of July uni break, but we will be back ready to share with you guys all info and wisdom and discussion We have some about awesome guests coming up do. too. Ooh. I mean, not just Kelly. Not just Sizzle. Kelly. Sizzle. Not just Kelly. <laughs> we have every episode we're going to have a new guest Fantastic. On. Different career paths in the media yep. too. So I see how that very goes. exciting. But yeah. yeah, so you guys will get to know what it's like to be women behind the media. So thank you very much.